and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. We will not talk about the Alabama-Georgia game. We just won't. Maybe they'll get a rematch. Maybe. We, we, we must move on, though. Dana Milbank is a progressive, kind of goofy opinion writer in the Washington Post. I'm not really sure why he has the clout that he has at the Washington Post, but he does. Um, he is a, a very hyper-opinionated progressive activist columnist in the Washington Post. He, um, he was a, oh, well, he was a style political writer in 2000. He covered the presidency, uh, as a, as a white house correspondent, you will note that he is another person who was a reporter. He was with, uh, covered wall street in the Clinton white house. He was, and you'll notice that he's another reporter who is now a progressive columnist. And he had a piece up over the weekend. The media treats Biden as badly as or worse than Trump. Here's the proof. And he calls out Politico for its negative headlines. But then he says, artificial intelligence can now measure negativity with precision. At my request, Forge.ai, a data analytics unit of the information company Fiscal Note, combed through more than 200,000 articles, tens of millions of words, from 65 news websites to do a sentiment analysis of coverage using the algorithms that give weight to certain adjectives based on their placement of the story. It rated the coverage Biden received in the first 11 months of 2021 with the coverage Donald Trump received in the first 11 months of 2020. The findings painstakingly assembled by fiscal note Vice President Bill Frischling confirm my fear. My colleagues in the media are serving as accessories to the murder of democracy. After a honeymoon of slightly positive coverage in the first three months of the year, Biden's press for the past four months has been as bad as and for a time worse than the coverage Trump received for the same four months of 2020. Think about it. In 2020, Trump presided over a worst-in-the-world pandemic response that caused hundreds of thousands of unnecessary deaths, held a super spreader event at the White House, got COVID-19, praised QAnon adherents, embraced violent white supremacists, waged a racist campaign against Black Lives Matters, attempted to discredit mail-in voting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing. By his own graph, he shows the media coverage of Trump stayed consistently negative during those four months. And Biden's coverage didn't crash until about August. And then it recovered and has been on an upward trajectory since. Wonder, wonder why Joe Biden's coverage, which was, according to this analysis, far better than the, than the coverage Donald Trump got. Why did it crash in August? 
In fact, if you look at the graph, it looks like the coverage fell as if it had been clinging to an airplane leaving the Kabul airport. Hmm. Maybe Afghanistan had something to do with the negative coverage. Maybe, just maybe, surrendering to the Taliban and letting them take back over Afghanistan had a lot to do with the negative coverage. And here, my friends, is kind of the point here. The coverage about Donald Trump was always uniformly negative. And it did not matter what Donald Trump did, good or bad. The American media did their best to always paint it as negative. With Joe Biden, it's not negative tone coverage. It's negative events while Joe Biden is president. Joe Biden has not been able to get rid of COVID like he said he would do, and that's been coverage. Inflation was not on the rise when Donald Trump was president. That waited until Joe Biden. The shortages that should have ended are now worse. The supply chain crisis is only just getting resolved. The Afghanistan situation left lingering doubt in people's minds as to Joe Biden's mental fitness and competence for office. All of these things added up. Now, of course, he he barely wants to touch on this. He barely wants to to highlight any of this. It's uh, the word Afghanistan does not appear in his coverage. But what's well now I take that back. Um it, it appears once in his coverage. He wrote in fact, uh, Trump got press coverage as favorable as or better than Biden is getting today. Sure, Biden has had his troubles with the Delta variant, Afghanistan, and inflation, but the economy is rebounding. He's signed major legislation. He's restored some measure of decency, calm, and respect for democratic institutions. We need a skeptical independent press, but how about being partisans for democracy? So in other words, if you're not fluffing up Joe Biden on a daily basis, you're against democracy. Who exactly are the real authoritarians? Who exactly are the real authoritarians here? Because, I mean, that essentially is Milbank's argument that uh, if you're not giving glowing coverage to Joe Biden, members of the media, you're against democracy. That's kind of authoritarian to tell the media they've got to give particular coverage to the president of the United States. Well, it's not just them. Media Matters is coming out. Keep it in mind. Media Matters, Eric Bullert, Media Matters, is an organization that is ruthlessly used to silence conservatives in the mainstream media. They've come after me a bunch over the years. And now they want to go after the media for daring to criticize Joe Biden. They're saying, hey, the press, you're missing the story. And specifically, a lot of them are talking about the economic uh, coverage and, and the inflation coverage and the jobs report coverage. They're saying you're missing a big story and you've been missing it for several months. And I think it's absolutely right uh, for them to uh, ask the press to for a little self-reflection and a little accountability. And the Dana Milbank's column, I think, is incredibly important. And I, and I think it's very convincing that Biden actually is getting worse coverage now than Trump. Look, you know, if and if Trump were a traditional Republican president, if he had been a Jeb Bush president, that would be okay. Look, you know, Trump got bad coverage, Biden gets bad coverage, everyone gets bad coverage. Trump was a fascist. He was a pathological liar. He's trying to destroy free and fair elections in this country. And the idea that this conventional center-left Democrat is getting worse coverage, if I were in the press, I would stop and think, what are we doing here? And and is Hmm. this is this all accurate? 
Brian Seltler on CNN who only criticizes his company when he's allowed to by Jeff Zucker. You know, the real fascists are the ones who demand the media go in a particular direction. The real fascists are the people who refuse to acknowledge the truth of how bad the situation is in this country right now and then say it's everyone's fault but Joe Biden. And don't you dare criticize Joe Biden. But what is most remarkable here is how so many members of the media have seized on Dana Mailbank's column and say, ah, see, see, you got conversation at CNN. You've got other uh, pundits and, and supposedly objective people at the Washington Post saying, oh my gosh, it is so bad for Joe Biden. It's all the media's fault. They, they are in the media and they think it's the media's fault. I'm fascinated by that dynamic. Uh, they themselves could be writing nice things about Joe Biden, but it's really hard to tell the American people that they're the ones who are the problem, not Joe Biden. And in fact, a lot of the media is doing that, and that also is part of the problem. They're telling the people that they are the problem. I mean, you've had opinion journalists and others try to tell Americans, well, your inflation's not that bad. Well, the problem is you spend too much, so it's a good thing prices are high. It's good for the environment. You can't spend as much. That's what they do. It's how they're approaching this. It's kind of bizarre, actually, to see them doing this, and yet this is where we are. This is what we're doing. This is how the media has decided to package these things. And the public's not falling for it. And to be fair, if the media tried to tell you, the the mainstream people who are doing the news were trying to tell you it's all coming up roses, you would reject them too. In fact, more and more Americans across the board are rejecting the mainstream media over stuff like this. Here's the problem for Joe Biden. The problem is not the press. The press is a lagging indicator. The press doesn't write about Joe Biden's events until the events happen. The press was not writing about the surrender of Afghanistan until we surrendered. The press was not writing about the um, was not writing about inflation until inflation happened. They're a lagging indicator. It's not like they were trying to define his presidency, but with Donald Trump, they've been defining his presidency pretty consistently. They've been def- they tried to, in every way, shape, or form, define it badly with Donald Trump. Anything Trump did, even moving the embassy in Israel to Jerusalem, was going to be the outbreak of war. Killing Qasem Soleimani, going to be the outbreak of war. Everything Trump did was viewed badly. The press has tried to help Joe Biden. It's just very hard to help him when everything he does keeps going badly. And at this point, it's baked into the American public's mind that the Biden administration generally isn't all that competent. You've got inflation. You've got COVID that he said he was going to fight. You've got supply chain shortages. You've got a president who, when he speaks, refuses to take questions from the press. And then when he does speak, seems to be out of it. And then let's not get into Kamala and Buttigieg, who have dragged down the presidency as well. Frankly, people don't like Joe Biden. They're looking at him like the Grinch who stole Christmas. 
with empty shelves and high prices. And this is the Biden presidency now, not the Trump presidency. The media can complain all it wants, but they were the ones who savaged Donald Trump and did their best to get Joe Biden. And well, now, sorry, they got what they wanted. They're going to have to deal with it. You're a screw up, Mr. Biden. You really are too old. You're as clumsy as a clown. The country's headed off the road, Mr. Biden. You're a bad banana with greasy black mold. You're a liar, Mr. Biden. Your borders open wide Your brain is full of pudding You've got a streak of sinful pride, Mr. Biden I want to know where you were when Jeffrey Epstein died You're a vile one, Mr. Biden You have hair plugs on your head You have all the creepy sweetness of Bill Clinton in his prime, Mr. Biden. Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take Slick Willie in his prime. You're a foul one, Mr. Biden. You've been around too long. Your ideas are old and tired, your VP's a cackling suit, Mr. Biden. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, Dope, mope, nope. You're a con man, Mr. Biden. You're the king of liberal sots. Your side's a ghoulish death cult, Dressed up in slick TV spots, Mr. Biden. Your ideas are an appalling dump heap, overflowing with the most disgraceful assortment of deplorable rubbish imaginable, mangled up in tangled up knots. You nauseate me, Mr. Biden. You've let Fauci run amok. You haven't stopped the virus, and your mandates are just bunk, Mr. Biden. You're an old-school progressive scold, an out-of-touch retiree, who's out of luck. It's the holidays. You deserve a gift a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every day, all year long, a gift that looks as good as it feels and a gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productive you'll be at work. Let me tell you guys, just forget a script on X chair. I had one of those really expensive multi-thousand dollar desk chairs and I loved it. And I wasn't sure about the X chair, but my gosh, now I've got the X chair 
and I can't go back. I had to give the other chair to my wife. The X chair has a built-in massager. It's super ergonomic. I ergonomic, ergonomic. I love mine. It's got the massage chair. It can get cool. It can get warm. It can warm my back while I'm sitting in my chair. Your office chair can't do that. It's the perfect time to buy the X chair. And here's their holiday gift to you. Save $100 off your X chair just by purchasing it at xchaireric.com now. That's the letter X chair, E-R-I-C-K.com. X chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchaireric.com and save xchaireric.com. This is the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, they can help your business grow. If you need access to loan six figures and up, buy a building, build a building, buy a fleet of vehicles. First Liberty wants to be able to help you. They will say yes if they can, where so many banks are saying no. They make their own decisions. Give them a buzz. You can reach out, get their contact info at firstlibertyga.com. Firstlibertyga.com is their website. I want to go to Rooster, who's been waiting very patiently here. Rooster, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good here in Athens, Georgia. Excellent. Uh, Before I got into my question, I wanted to uh, make sure you're paying your call screener to good. He does a really good job. Maybe well, you know, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure about that call screener. Some days you should see the hard time he gives me. He, he takes it out on me. I feel abused. You know, Eric, I, th- I, I, I think we all need somebody that gives us a hard shoulder, keeps us in line, to where we don't think we're, we can take over the world. And, oh, I, and I've already got the, that person. Run, it's run called everything. my wife. Now I've got two of them. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, you know, hey. Um, my, my, my comment was, I think that we're in a, in a place where we're being sold fear, 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 fear. Oh, mm-hmm. be afraid of this. Oh, be afraid of that. Everything is, we're being sold fear us so that we can protect you. And my example is that with the COVID thing, we're given the totals of how many people have died and how many people have come down with it over the last three years instead of well, this weekend we had this many or that many. And we really don't need to know how many people came down with COVID. We need to know kind of data like, you know, how many people are actually overcoming it or how many people, you know, don't give me a total of how many people came down with it in the whole United States. You know, maybe how many people died in Georgia instead of how many people came down with it because it's only, what, like 3 or 4% of the people died that come down with it. Yeah, that that's a that's a great like way of looking at it. Is. And the the data out there, and you, you know, notice that COVID coverage has started collapsing again as it states in New England where the press is, uh, as opposed to Florida and Georgia and the like, and Texas, uh, where you're you're not seeing uh, massive amounts of it. I mean, the the fourteen day change, for example, uh, it's up three hundred sixty two percent in the Northern Marianas Islands. But how many daily cases is that? Sixty two. Um, Missouri, it's up 137%. That's 3,038 cases. So yeah, that's not good. Uh, but at the same time, a lot of states where the media was obsessed with, it's much lower. Well, I mean, you look at Athens, I mean, it's, it's the, it's a rough area sometimes, but we, this weekend, we got the numbers that we, we are under 100 people positive test, but how many of those people are actually severe and how many of those people are actually, you know, losing their life? 
yeah. maybe one or two people out of a hundred. Right. It yeah. really is not something to be really afraid of. Yeah, be responsible. You know, wear your mask if you're sensitive. But, I mean, why am I supposed to be throwing up arms and, oh, come save right. me, President Biden, from the disease? Yeah, and, and you know, and look, Rooster, I appreciate the phone call. That That's well said. It, it, this gets into the Omicron variant fear. Uh, the reality is that the Omicron variant uh, looks like, thus far from what we can tell, is more infectious than the Delta variant, uh, can penetrate the vaccinated and even the boosted, but you're far less likely to get a bad illness from it. That's what we want, actually, because in the way forward, if everybody gets a very mild case of it, then we all boost our immunity even more, which makes it less likely to get it in the future. And, of course, you know, Dr. Fauci says this is all crazy talk, but this is actually well-documented science over time. Uh, He wants everybody to get vaccinated and to get boosted, and that's fine. I got vaccinated. I got boosted. It means I am far less likely to get it, uh, even even the Omicron variant, than most people. It is still overwhelmingly the people who are unvaccinated. But what's remarkable here is, like the New York Times, for example, broke down the exact data that Rooster's talking about the other day said in the last month, overwhelmingly the people who are getting it are unvaccinated and overwhelmingly the people who are dying are unvaccinated. But of the people who are dying, far less people are dying per week now, even among the unvaccinated than a year ago, because the treatments have changed pretty dramatically. And we're not really getting that from the press corps. We're not getting any of that data. It's just completely obfuscated in so much of the media, the New York Times did a very good job the other day doing this, but most of the media is not. And certainly the politicians and the public health officials are still out there scaring everybody when they shouldn't be. It's unfortunate disinformation at this point. The phone number here is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Oh, I, I hate to be so reliant on, on Politico for sources of information today, but they have so much good stuff today that's schadenfreudelicious. This is uh, from Heather Cagle, Burgess Everett, and Jonathan Lemire at Politico. Headline, Dim's Plot Escape from Biden's Poll Woes. The party's own polling has the president in the red. Lawmakers know they need to get better at selling his agenda to avert midterm disaster. Now, I will just scroll down here and get to some of the nuggets. Most Democrats are worried that Biden's flagging polling numbers, with an approval hovering in the low 40s, will lead to a thrashing at the ballot box. With historic headwinds and a GOP-dominated redistricting process already working against them, they fear that unless Biden pulls out his current slide, Congress will be handed to the Republicans in next year's midterms. Even the party's own polling has the president in the red. A poll from House Democrats' campaign arm earlier this month showed the president down in battleground districts across the country with 52% of voters disapproving of the job he's doing, according to three party members briefed on the data. Of course, the election is 11 months away. An eternity in politics. 
Democrats say once they finally clinch their full agenda, Biden will recover, and so too will their prospects for keeping their slim majority. But there's plenty of hand-wringing about where Biden stands. Essentially, the Democrats have a three-fold playbook. And this is where you need to focus. Number one, if they can pass their Build Back Better plan, which they're openly now calling their social spending bill. Number two, if they can wrangle in COVID. And number three, if the Republicans will fight themselves instead of the Democrats. That's the Democrats' playbook. There you should see some deep flaws in this playbook. Their number one is Build Back Better. They're calling it their social spending bill. Number two is wrangling COVID, getting a hold of it, get, getting it handled. And number three is Republican infighting. That those that's their that's their playbook for mitigating. They're not even talking about winning necessarily. They're talking about mitigating the damage. Let's examine these one at a time. Passing Build Back Better, the social spending plan, uh, nobody knows what's in it. No one's going to give them credit for it, and they can't necessarily even get it passed. Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin have put a hold on the legislation. They're not willing to advance it right now. They want to wait until next year. You get into next year, and they haven't passed anything, it begins to set in in the minds of the voters. Becomes a problem. The Democrats can't pass their own agenda because of Democrats. And their social spinning agenda, they claim that portions of it are very popular, but it really depends on how you ask the question. And a lot of people are much more concerned about other things. Here's Kristen Cinema. She gave a very rare interview to CNN. When I'm home in Arizona, I hear number one about the price of gas and number two about the price of food. People are very concerned about the amount they're spending just to survive every day. And inflation is real. Inflation is real and the social spending bill will not actually help that. They claim it will, but they won't. Number two getting a handle on COVID, wrangling in COVID, you're not going to beat the microbe. The problem here is that uh, the only way to even try to wrangle it, and it won't be successful, is draconian lockdown measures. And the only way to stop COVID is to keep us locked down for a very long time, and the president doesn't really even have the power to do that. State governors do. In New York, they're going to pass a mandatory plan to force private employers to vaccinate at the state level. It's the first of its kind. Instead of a federal mandate, a state mandate. Good luck with that. And even then, we know from the Omicron variant, you're not going to actually, the vaccine's not going to help you as much. I mean, just think about that. Right now, their solution is vaccinate, 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 vaccinate. And that's fine, except the data on the Omicron variant is showing vaccinations don't really matter. You can still get it now. You'll get a mild case, and that's fine. 
You won't go to the hospital. You won't die. That's exactly what we want. But they've determined they got to stop the virus. Their talking points are still all about COVID zero. They're never getting to COVID zero. And they have not yet publicly readily been willing to announce it. Now, Dr. Fauci suggested this the other day, but it kind of went without notice. You're not going to get to COVID zero. And yet all of their talking points continue to be about getting to COVID zero. With them unable to do it, with them unable to control the virus, with them unable to stop the spread, well, Let's see, their first point of their playbook, passing Build Back Better. They can't even get Democrats to pass it. Number two, stopping the virus. They're not going to stop the virus. Number three is hoping Republicans fight each other and snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. They're hoping to do so in primary challenges. They're looking, for example, like uh, the David Perdue-Brian Kemp race in Georgia. That's a problem because, you know, Republicans probably are going to fight themselves, but they will corral around a lot of winners nationwide. And just on redistricting alone, they're going to pick up the House of Representatives. So the Democrats are trying to hang on to power by having Republicans fight against themselves in districts, but those districts have been redrawn in order for the Republicans, no matter how crazy they are, to win. Now, the Senate side is another matter. And the Republicans are fighting. you got Dr. Oz. My gosh, you've got Dr. Oz running in the Senate seat in Pennsylvania. Surely they will have a credible Senate candidate on the GOP side. But essentially, the Democratic playbook now is all three major issues, except the first one, but even the first one, outside their control. The, the handling of COVID is outside the control of the public policymakers in Washington, D.C. Whether Republicans fight themselves or not is outside the control of the Democrats. And building back better is kind of outside their control as well because it's in Joe Manchin's control and Kristen Sinema, and they're not dealing. They don't want it. So where do the Democrats proceed then? This isn't a good playbook, but here's the thing. I want to go back to keywording. This is the way Politico starts this. Most Democrats are worried that Biden's flagging polling numbers will lead to a thrashing at the ballot box with historical headwinds. Historical headwinds. Historical headwinds. What are those headwinds? Well, Biden's polling is among the lowest of presidents headed into midterms ever. But Biden's polling, as low as it is, is consistent with presidents in the first midterms after they've won office. Presidents tend to do terribly in the midterms. It's historic. There's a historic pattern there. So they're trying to offset a historic pattern with a president whose polling is among the worst ever for a president seeking uh, midterms after after he got elected. That's bad. That's bad. They kind of know what's coming. In fact, I was talking to a Democratic pollster who you would all know the other day. The Democratic pollster 
said we're screwed except to use the F word. And this is December. This is December of the year before the midterms. We are 11 months away from the midterms, and you have a well-known Democratic pollster already saying we're effed. Why? Because in his words, the momentum feeds the momentum. Now, what does he mean by that? You go to August, President Biden has really good polling, really good headlines, and then Afghanistan hits, and it is a cluster. It's a disaster. And that disaster has now fed every headline thereafter. There is something in the back of people's minds that Joe Biden actually isn't cut out for the job, that they may have made a mistake. The voters may have made a mistake and they may be telling themselves in the back of their mind. Joe Biden was a disaster in Afghanistan. He can't handle the virus. He can't handle the economy. He can't handle inflation. He can't handle gas prices. He can't handle empty store shelves. This is all on them. They control it all. There's no Republicans to blame. The Republicans don't control the Senate. The Republicans don't control the House. This is all on Joe Biden and the Democrats. They don't have a way to message this is the problem. And that's the bottom line for the pollster I talked to, is how do you say the Republicans are to blame? you got to blame somebody. How do you say the Republicans are to blame? The Republicans are filibustering the Senate. Well, don't you control the Senate? You get rid of the filibuster. Except that's not very popular. So who do you blame? You can't blame Joe Biden because he's your guy. So who do you blame? There's just nobody to blame except themselves, and they can't blame themselves. And that's setting them up for failure headed into 2022. Everything is outside their control at this point. They can only shift the conversation at the margins. And the ultimate problem goes back to Afghanistan. Afghanistan does not come up in polling. You know, it, it doesn't come up in polling. Afghanistan is not something that's at the forefront of people's minds. But what Afghanistan did is far more troubling and far more bothersome. What Afghanistan did is it rearranged the presuppositions. You know, everyone in the world has presuppositions. Things, when they head into conversation, they presuppose things that build their ideas, things that serve as their foundation for the way they see the world, their presuppositions. And the voters' presuppositions because of Afghanistan have changed now to Joe Biden is inept and maybe out of his league. See, voters beat Donald Trump. The election wasn't stolen. Donald Trump lost. He lost because people wanted a guy they liked more who was empathetic and who was competent. And now suddenly, come August in Afghanistan, the voters realize Joe Biden turns out not to be as empathetic as they thought, and he turns out not to be competent. And that's rearranged the presuppositions of people's minds. So now every time news comes, what's the first thing voters think? Oh, my God, Joe Biden, he's not very empathetic, and he's not very competent. So here comes the inflation news. Well, of course we have inflation. Biden's not empathetic, and he's not competent. And then you have the Democrats blame people. Well, of course they're going to blame people. Biden's not empathetic and he's not competent. And then you have the supply chain and Pete Buttigieg is gone for two months and nobody notices that he's Joe Biden's guy. Well, of course, Joe Biden's incompetent and he's not very empathetic. 
fundamentally changed the dynamics in the voters' minds. Now when voters encounter any story, their first thought is not that Joe Biden cares and is a good president, but that Joe Biden doesn't care and is a bad president. And every story is framed in the voters' minds with that out of the gate. And there's not a whole lot Joe Biden can do to reverse that. Once it happens, you're kind of stuck with it. And then it doesn't help that the Democrats are so busy squabbling over what they want of their Build Back Better plan. They're busy fighting each other. It's just not good for Joe Biden, but he's brought it on himself. Stand by on the phones. I'll start the next hour with your calls, 877-973-7425. Apparently, and I did not know this, but Kamala Harris is a destroyer of souls. The Washington Post has a big story about Harris's management style, and other media outlets are now picking up on this um, with uh, just astonishing quotes. She's referred to as a bully and as a soul destroyer. One former Harris aide, Gil Duran, told the Washington Post, who are the next talented people you're going to bring in and burn through and then have them pretend they're retiring for positive reasons? This comes on the heels of Simone Sanders leaving. My favorite, though, my favorite part of this. Oh, let, let me, let me, uh, this is this is one of her defenders. Um, this is one of the most bizarre comparisons here. Uh, somebody named Clegg, Sean Clegg, Bear Star Strategies, who started working for Harris in 2008, said there's a difference between being a tough boss and one who excoriates staff. This is his quote. This is Sean Clegg's quote. People personalize these things. I've never had an experience in my long history with Kamala where I felt like she was unfair. Has she called BS? Yes. And does that make people uncomfortable sometimes? Yes. But if she were a man with her management style, she would have a TV show called The Apprentice. So apparently there's one Democrat who thinks comparing Kamala Harris to Donald Trump is a good thing. Um, yeah. Listen, this has been well known about Kamala Harris going back to her time in the attorney general's office in California that she's a terrible boss. She has very high staff turnover, among other things. She's just not a very good good boss. And people scream and say, well, if she had a had this terrible temper, she was a man, she'd be getting positive coverage. No, no, no. Democrats used this against John McCain in 2008, that he was a difficult man to work for and had a very, very fickle temper. Um, it's, it's not a good thing. And it doesn't matter whether she's a man or a woman. You know, the chief complaint of her staff is she doesn't read her briefing books and then yells at the staff that they didn't prepare her adequately. That's not a woman thing. That's an incompetence thing. And this is who Biden has as number two. We should pray for Joe Biden. My goodness gracious. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. 
I can offer you a fantastic solution if you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business. First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 